0: Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. And I really do mean welcome back because it has been a while.
1: I'm Mike, and I'm here with Nick. I know. No one panic. Don't push the pause. Don't hit stop. and Don't record. Here I am in the flesh with my brother Michael, the first time yes. in forever. We,
0: it's been a while, hasn't it? It's been a minute-ish. It truly has. And then I re- I recently posted something just appreciating everybody for sticking around just because we this is the longest break we have ever taken.
1: Yeah. And it's not necessarily even intentional. It's just more so, you know, restrictions due to scheduling problems. Your your job has been crazy and my, my season's ramping up. So it hasn't exactly been easy to find time to get together when I'm free or not and vice versa.
0: Yeah, that seems to be exactly it. This is your busy season. And as much as my work has been constantly telling me, don't worry, we're going to get some of this off of you. It's been busy. So I've been spending whole days down in Detroit at, at, in, in plants and plants and things of that nature. You've been dealing with four parties at a time. <laughs> is that
1: true? Uh, d- Kind of. It's it's in the realm of possibility. So we did like, okay, four parties at a time is really four parties a weekend. I had three on Saturday and one today. So I had three Saturday and that was uh, extra nerve wracking for me because normally when it comes to the way we execute it, the way it's prepped and the way the scheduling is done. I have all the parties done and in vehicles and ready to leave to go to their prospective locations before I leave with mine. That wasn't the case on Saturday. Saturday I was able to because I was I was the first party out. It was all the way down in Milan and so I had to go to Milan. I was setting a party to Bloomfield Hills and a party to Gladwood. So they weren't local, which was terrible. We're running a new kitchen in Saginaw, which was uh, a beautiful place, but it was difficult. And so my party had to leave at 1, so by 1 o'clock, I had all the almost all the food done. There were still three pans that had to come out of the oven, but I had, you know, probably 35, 40 pans of food out of the oven by 1 o'clock, and it always feels good. Like, it's a good challenge, and it's something I'm comfortable with. I don't I don't stress out and break down. It's just sometimes you cut a corner here, cut a corner there to save on time, and you end up, you know, it catches up, obviously. There's no such thing as extra time. It's right and then i like to keep talking about how busy we are and that's why we
0: can't quite always get these shows together but a lot of that was my time organization i have dabble now things pop up there different things have to be accomplished and it it just kind of got set aside for a little bit so i'm glad we're back on track i'm glad we get to have this opportunity because this is kind of you know we, we don't live right next to each other we're not that far from each other this is kind of my get to chat with my brother every week kind of thing.
1: It, it really is. And it, it's it's turned out that this has become our quality time. And uh doesn't always mean we produce quality content. That's a week by week thing, but it, this has become the time we, we spend the most time talking. When, when you first started this, actually it was before we started this, when I was working at the MTA location, I talked to you on the phone, like two, three hours a day, every day. It was like half my work day. like My work was miserably boring. So I would just call you and complain. <laughs> And now work is not quite as bad, but my work is a lot busier. So I'm not able to really do that anymore. Yeah, it's so
0: things are kind of morphing and changing. We just have to figure out the best way to do it. And so I've started sending out some of the videos. There's a couple of things on YouTube and a little bit more on TikTok. So when when this video comes out, you'll see behind me, my environment is changing. I'm slowly getting the studio put together. So if there's a little bit of echo, I've got a lot of extra room still over here that we're uh, working on. But we are dedicated to this show, the longevity of this show, and once we get everything in its right right spot, we should be able to get going and be able to do this on a regular basis and even possibly be ahead like we used to be.
1: Oh, now not listen, now you're you're talking crazy talk. I don't know, that that would be amazing. Right.
0: <laughs> Well, I always say that if if money actually came in from this show, the very first thing I would want is to not pay me, but find an
1: editor, <laughs> find someone who can edit and produce the shows. Listen, that's music to my ears. If you recall, I used to complain about editing all the time because it sucks.
0: It is. And it's challenging.
1: It's it's not it's not that it's challenging. It's just it's a it is a time killer, man. It's not okay. So to be fair, it's not challenging in the way that I happen to be particularly comfortable with editing video and, and audio files. It doesn't bother me. I don't um, find it challenging or hard. I just really hate doing it because I do deem it as a waste of time. Any task in the any task I have to dedicate hundred percent of me to that I don't enjoy is a waste of time. Generally, even things I do enjoy, video games, television, stupid, pointless things, I doing them all at one time. I am on my phone playing a game, like listening to the TV show, talking to my wife, like very few things occupy all of my attention. And it's not, I guess, even by choice. It's just most things don't require it.
0: Well, in in editing and producing a show, you're right. You can't, you can't multi-switch. You can't multitask while you're doing it because you can only do the one thing and it soaks up hours and hours and hours of time. So I'm hoping that this, you know, this take a break moment and restructure will not only allow us to get back on track, be able to have you know good entertaining content, but also have multi-mode content—not just the podcast where you see it here, but clips on TikTok, maybe even these full videos
1: on uh, YouTube. Uh, there's a lot of these video streaming platforms. I think we'd we'll be blessed to have two handsome Armenian men as ourselves, and <laughs> and if not, if not, you know, it'd be fun too, anyways. But I think that I think it's a good idea. And I to be honest, I, I kind of enjoy watching some of the TikToks you're putting up. I know you tag me when I watch it. Although you tag me in the most recent one, and I'm not even in it. Oh. Well. Like my, my my voice is at the very end. Like you talk for three minutes. And I'm like, well, you see, and then it ends. <laughs> but I laughed so hard because I actually the reason I was late tonight. I was outside so we had a bonfire. I'm sitting about a fire listening to it. And I was like, Where am I at? Where am I at? Tag me. Where am I at? At the very end, they hear my voice and then it just loops over. And I'm like, well, okay, then. So was well, so it you were technically in it? Yeah, yeah. My presence was heard.
0: <laughs> Sorry about end.
1: that. No, anyway. It's fine. Don't apologize. It was wonderful.
0: We should probably get into some sustainability content. And this week is gonna be, I always say it's a little different or a little weird. I always have some little comment to put in there. But this is not your normal how to save energy kind of stuff. It's more of the psychology of some things. Right now, especially as it's just as thick as any other time, there is a massive chunk of people who still live in a world that they look at things like climate or scarcity and just basically say, not my problem. They're not willing to make any changes that are going to benefit the all because it disrupts their everyday life, that the not my problem has become a pretty big problem.
1: Well, I think that the the, the mentality of not my problem is is one of those big blanket areas where there's, it's not black and white, it's so gray, and there's so many contributing factors to every capacity of and every part of the world that we could talk for hours and hours and hours and spin our wheels about it and literally get nowhere. Because ultimately with all this stuff, it starts with people and individuals. And then it starts with their motivations and the reasons they feel the way they do. More often than not, I think it's more so absent-mindedness. I think a lot of people just don't think about things in in depth. And then when they're forced to, it's usually from someone that's being with a little bit of animus. And so they get defensive. and, and, And that just, once that happens, it's pointless. I think we've done
0: some past shows about don't be the activist. Show it with your actions. Do not try to fight people because that's exactly what happens. Someone really gets after someone. It doesn't matter if they're right, wrong, or indifferent. They're automatically back on their heels and playing defense. And some of these problems are big, which is why that little bit, little bit, big bit portion of our our show Mm -hmm. matters because – Hey, I just spent this week, even it, w- without uh, having a lot of time working on the Edible Landscape Project. Jeff sent, some, sent me some amazing photos. We've got those the fruit trees from last year are already bearing fruit. Like, I'm excited. That little bit is starting to move forward already. But these pr- big problems, you know, when, when you look at climate change, that takes a big cultural shift. And having yeah. And having a chunk of people, a large chunk of people, unwilling to make any kind of concessions, is that problem
1: well it it is but the problem with the problem with that problem is you actually already touched it it's, it's a cultural shift it is it's not practical nor do i honestly believe it's generally possible in the kinds of communities that we live in to have to have cultural shifts because we are a melting pot of different cultures the only culture we really have is that none of us have the same culture yeah, you know, we were joking at the beginning about being Armenian. We're half Armenian. Not that there's a whole lot of us around here, but my point is, is that we we're raised a certain way. And, and honestly, I'm really thankful that neither one of us were raised in the ways of the old country. We kind of just had our own sets of morals and values and ethics. And I, I think that we do okay. We don't suck. That's what I'm saying. We, Mike, we don't suck. <laughs> well, I um, appreciate that. Yeah, you know, I, I thought you would. And. I think that a lot of people think like that about themselves. A lot of people look at their childhood, you know what? I, I do I do my best and I, 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 I don't go out of my way to hurt anyone and I don't intentionally ruffle people's feathers in a, in a negative way, like in seriousness. Ingested and sarcasm is one thing. But I mean they don't they don't go out with animus to try to really hurt people. And they think they're okay. They think they're doing you know the best they can do in trying to live their life. And then when you have someone that comes around and says hey, you know, you're completely wrong or you're stupid or hey moron or whatever terminology they use, you know, when they're keyboard warring them on TikTok or on eBay, oh my gosh, Michael, oh, what am eBay. I doing? I'm so tired. Yes. <laughs> That, I is am a, that is a bad review on eBay. I, I am. It is incredibly, incredibly bad review. Uh, I'm just, <laughs> I'm exhausted. I apologize. What I'm trying to say is when they're attacking them on social media, for some reason, TikTok and eBay came out. So apparently, <laughs> I guess that was like my way of saying Facebook's marketplace, but gets me to Facebook. So either way, when they're attacking them on social media, there's no understanding or conversation. And if there can't be a true conversation where both sides are open to learning something, a cultural shift can't happen, man. I want it to. But like if you're if you're playing defense, like that means you're playing to win or to survive, right. and in both situations you're not going forward. It, you're just not. It,
0: yeah, you're basically go. Your plan is to beat that person, and w- when that is the conversation, the topic goes out the window. There's other things that really bother me and you know me when it comes to like politics and all that stuff how that really it doesn't belong in these kind of topics anything in sustainability rarely should have a have a political cleat in it but there is and with with climate change there's people when you're talking about reducing waste who will waste more in spite who the rolling coal these these movements to do worse to prove Mm -hmm. a point are, are a big deal, too, because now it becomes cool to not progress and to yeah. not learn and understand.
1: Yeah. And what that what that really is, is a lack of relevance, not to say that the movement isn't relevant, but the movement is not relevant in that person's life to some capacity. And with some people that it it's not even relevant enough to where they think it exists. And that's a problem. I am never going to be the person that says, live in the pot, eat the bugs. You know, you know. I want next time I see you, I want to see you covered in moss. And no, I, I'm not going to be that guy that tells you to go off the grid and go crazy and try mm-hmm. to. I'm, n- I'm never going to be the guy that tells you to turn the Robin Williams off of um, whatever that wonderful movie was when I was a kid. But I think the conversation should be had of change. Maybe there's more tactful ways to have them. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's it starts off with a friend. You know, and oftentimes it does. It starts off with a friend or like a really dear family member. Hey, man, have you ever seen this? And it's not even like a conversation so much as, hey, look what I'm trying out or look what I just bought. Or and and to be honest, you'd be amazed at the amount of things that change like that because your your best friend bought once and so now you got a one up. But it starts off with this friendly rivalry, and next thing you know, you have who's got the biggest fleet of electric appliances. Who's got the biggest warranty on there, Michael? I don't even know what the brand is you guys have with electric, <laughs> the electric stuff, but you understand what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but, I,
0: I wish that competition would go to a, a waste reduction or who has the least amount of trash bags going to the curb. B- but it seems like as we move forward, there's like this line in the in the ground and it and it's bad on both sides quite often. Sometimes it's a little too much on the side trying to get it done. Like you said, I'm not going to live in the forest with moss covering me. That's what this shows about small reductions to get us to where we need to be in the long term, but without really disrupting your life. And that's one thing that that drives me nuts is that we could as humanity curb the issue with very little change honestly, we, we, with industry, with regulation, with individual purchasing choices. We were in, a, a friend of mine was very upset about shortages recently because, you know, there's a lot of supply chain issues. And I, I do know that actually. <laughs> and we, they were we were talking about peanut butter. Okay. And he's like, well, I had to get a different brand this time. Well, it's still peanut butter. You, had a, you used to have a choice of like, 30 brands, <laughs> you know, now you're down to six. It isn't that you can't get peanut butter, it's that you can't get the exact brand that you want. In my head, I think that's too many anyways. What it so there's a broken piece of capitalism that allows 30 different brands of peanut butter, and all of their supply chains and all of their mm. uh, everything that goes along with those 30 brands, all the people that work for them, all the Shipping and warehousing and production, and all these plants for 30 different brands. When it when you easily could deal with six or three,
1: well, we could really deal with making the stuff ourselves because it's not hard, but that's a whole Mm -hmm. nother conversation, (laughs) right? I think that one of those things right there, I I can't really touch on um, the amount of very like variations for brands and and why, and and, because it's any consumer good that 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 problem exists you know as long as there's one there's going to be another one and then if there's two if there's two companies that make a blue one there's two companies that make a red one and and then there's a company that makes a purple one that has red and blue stripes it, it, competition breeds you know like cash when it comes to that kind of stuff and so it's terrible but i will say that maybe people that are <laughs> oh here we go uh used to a particular brand are set in their ways and are afraid of change because they don't want to spend money on things they may not like even though it is peanut butter and peanut butter tastes like wait for it peanut butter so but think about this
0: if you had if you i i get it open market they can do what they want you know they'll go out of business if they're bad versus they'll do really good if they're the only ones like they
1: will not go out of business if they're bad. They'll just find different demographic but <laughs> Well, but imagine the amount of energy. I
0: everybody knows I talk about embodied energy probably on every show and possibly every day even when I'm not on a show. Think of the amount of embodied energy taking 30 brands and slimming it to 6. And I'm not saying, you know, you have to have 6. But what I'm saying is is that that is just that. That one little one item In a grocery store all over the world, that we have, we're so used to this overabundance of choice, this excessive amount of choice. Where, and I gotta tell you, I bet you out of 30 brands, five of them have the same peanut butter in them. They just keep slapping new labels on things.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I do agree with that. That probably is accurate. But, okay, so I want to try to unpack this as as carefully as I can. So in in our hypothetical make-believe world, it doesn't exist and can't exist, but we're talking about it anyways. 30 brands of peanut butter reduced overnight, boom, shakalaka. We're going to go with five, okay? We're going to cut it by – we're going to divide it by a a number of six. Are we to imply that the – the vast amount of peanut butter produced a day is then reduced by a you know a number of six, or are we to imply that all the peanut butter is now these six brands? So the only difference in the embodied energy that would have actually been reduced would be the variations of the label in jars because they're still producing the same amount of peanut butter. Well, there are two conversations to have
0: here. Well, in, in my in my hypothetical world, you, you would you would still sell the same amount of peanut butter. But you'd have a hell of a lot less uh, production plants spread all over the world. You'd have a lot less warehouses.
1: Well, I I don't agree. I don't actually agree with that. I think you'd have the same amount, or you may have a little bit less, but I think that they would just build. More warehouses and more places to reduce the shipping cost. I like they'd be like Amazon warehouses, but for peanut butter. I'm actually really interested to see the statistics on this kind of stuff now to see, (laughs) like, no, I'm serious. Like, I'm really interested to see in not just peanut butter, all different kinds of brands. So Mm -hmm. let's take cheeses. Let's take let's take cheese. Let's say like American cheese, Velveeta. That's everyone's favorite Velveeta cheese. Blah blah blah. I don't think anyone can even name another brand of American cheese if it's not Spartan or Great Value. No one's gonna have a clue. But if you take the factories that produce those items and and reduce their competition, you know, kind of one of these demolition man scenarios where all restaurants are Taco Bell. They're just going to build more of those warehouses, I think, to to really cut the body to energy. I mean, to really, it, it has to be a culture shift. And, and if you really want to, we need to change the way it's made. Not the item per se, just the way it's packed and shipped. Like, mm-hmm. why is it so much cheaper to process plastics in a massive factory? Why can't they put some real R&D and come up with a cheaper alternative that's better for the environment? Other than the fact that, I don't know, it's going to cost a lot of money. Sorry, well, I'm going rant. Well, and
0: the point I was trying to make is that this individual who had a really kind of a mundane minor issue. I can't get the specific brand I want at this location it was a big deal that was a change that they were not willing to walk into okay and here we are every every item on the shelf we have an overabundance of each like we could yeah. easily simplify a lot of things and and back to the very original conversation i was having which was we could greatly reduce the amount of energy used on this planet with very simple small changes and I, that could be one I agree with that. I'm gonna take the whole you know, political lines and move it aside. Other things that cause issues with people uh, worrying about some of these concerns. One of them I think is because climate change, it, as, it moves very, very slowly. It's measured over long periods of time. It's not something that you can turn around and see because if you turn around and see it immediately, it's usually weather, it's not climate. So that requires understanding the studies and looking at the studies and under and choosing to read them where really we're becoming the boiling frog, how you can, which is a fun analogy at the moment as heats rise. But that's, I think that's one of the problems is that the change happens so very slow. Many just assume it's part of the weather patterns.
1: Well, I mean, to be fair, climate and weather are related, but Mm -hmm. there is a big problem here with, 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 things that are not easily explainable topics i mean truly easily because people don't have a true grasp of comprehension things they they understand they explain it in ways they understand it but if someone doesn't understand what you understand that they don't understand what you're saying right and and there's there's a huge disconnect those those lines you're talking about they exist in way more ways than one so for me when you talk about these kinds of things, like, like climate what not, climate is it's a hard pill to swallow. I mean, when you really think about it for the average person, because you're told the things we're doing as a civilization, sometimes in a lot of ways globally, are destroying life as we know it for generations to come. And someone's gonna be like, well, can you prove it?" And they're going to go, no. We have theoretical science behind it, and we can look at the patterns and forecast what's going to happen when things don't change. Well, I don't think so that's why. I they, think
0: they can actually they can prove it, but they're not proving it in an in a can. real life situation. You've got graphs, you've got data. We have plenty of that information. That
1: isn't that isn't proof, though. That's what I'm saying to the average person. That's not proof. I'm not saying that it isn't proof in general to the scientific world. To the average person who's not a scientist and not a not an engineer and not a mathematician and you know eats, breathes, and sleeps by what happens on their newspaper and on their phone, the average Facebook person. That's not proof. That's where the disconnect is. It's so impossible this, for them to swallow.
0: So you have this slow-moving thing that is only seen in data, in a sense. It, well, and animal pattern changes. there's There are obvious other things that are happening. But they're distant. Yes. They're almost never yes. right in your yard. And that leads to the... I got to get to work. I don't have time and don't care. I'm going to go fill up and I'm going to do my thing.
1: It's It leads to the the average Joe who just goes to their nine to five every day to make 15, 16 bucks an hour to come home and listen to their kids complain about not having this or not having that or want to go do this or can I do this or can this person come over and all these requests they have. And they're just stressed to the hilt. And it's that's hard. It is hard to, to do that and still have enough time to to really kind of learn a whole new aspect of the world that you could live your life not knowing existed. I'm not defending that behavior. I'm just trying to get mm-hmm. people to understand that it's not an us versus them thing. It's just a lack of connectivity. People need to be able to comprehend it, and they need to be able to talk about things on a, a peer-to-peer level that is not in... Not verbal diarrhea. You're not just data dumping on someone and expecting them to go, okay, you're right. You know, I was wrong and I'm going to change tomorrow. Doesn't <laughs> doesn't matter how many numbers and pictures of graphs you can shove at someone. If they don't actually understand the point of the conversation, no matter what big words or abbreviated words or anything you use, you're it's like talking to a wall. And there's a lot of times, and I make a lot of people angry when I say this, and I do this a lot to people, they'll just go and go and go and go and go in an argument and I'll go, you're not saying anything. And they'll look at me and they get real offended, but they're not. If you're talking to me and I don't understand the premise of our conversation, <laughs> nothing you say matters and vice versa. It breaks my heart because I would love to see a huge cultural shift in in, in this place. I would, I would love to see things change in a way that will benefit our home for generations to come. And I mean when I say generations, I mean six, seven, eight down the road. I don't mean tomorrow, I'm talking hundred years, two hundred years. I want to see that, but I don't know how to get those conversations started in a way that people understand. You it- either have i
0: which as you know i've abandoned the conversations online that's not something i do anymore
1: you are uh, no keyboard warrior bike <laughs> none
0: none uh, because if you become that person it becomes a part-time job and if you really get dedicated it's a full-time job and, it and you make pay. zero and you make zero progress and they no benefits. nope it's easier to show than it is to say and that is why like Edible Landscape Project, I go back to it because it's the one thing we're doing, or writing the book, or any of these actions, the podcast, for example, any of these actions that we can add, because let's face it, our podcast is primarily going to be, you guys that are listening know all this stuff. We're just reaffirming things because you wouldn't be listening to this if you had a, opposing views we're we're far too many shows into it <laughs> to where someone's going to follow us if, well, if
1: listen.
0: they have the opposing I, views
1: i want the opposing views to follow us i want the argument i want the conversation i want them to come to my side of the aisle and i want to flip them right well or flip me if you can physically I, it's impossible but i think
0: it is that's why we spend a lot of time pushing on this just do it things Not the Nike side, but just those kindness projects. Keep doing the sustainable projects. Keep doing those things in your home so people see it. Build that positive footprint. Bring your your reusable bags. Bring your reusable bags to the store and let people see you using them, even if they don't change their mind. Just keep being that positive action that people see
1: do. I guess what, what I think I, th- I, the way I take what Michael is saying is do things because it's the right thing to do. Not because you're trying to show somebody up or you're trying to prove a point. If you, if you love to do something, or if you have something like you're proud to do, like we'll take the landscaping thing. Those, those I've seen the pictures, man. Those, uh those like cleanup days, they're, they're kind of packed. You guys got some people out there. It's a lot better than last year because people are showing up and they're doing it. They're they're leading by example, and that is that it goes a lot further than talking by example. It, you know better than anyone. I love to talk, <laughs> and I will let I will TED talk the hell out of you on just about any topic that I know about. If you say the wrong thing and I feel the need to, you know, put class in session, but mm-hmm. it doesn't make a difference.
0: No, and I think that. You know, there's a big thing out there right now. There's big push discussing misinformation and how this war of misinformation is. How do you beat misinformation? Not by saying this is wrong, not by trying to prove or show that it is wrong, because that in most cases, the whole concept of misinformation is to not trust the other information. The best way is to take that situation and do it and show that the result is not this negative, horrible thing.
1: It will never matter what you say if no one is either listening or knows how to listen. So I agree. I agree. Just go out and, and do and and make changes and, and make a positive footprint. Little bit, little bit, big bit. Show people by the most incremental steps that you care about your community, that you care about your health and your wellness, and even stupid things like at the grocery store, you take your own bags. If someone asks you why you're not, just explain to them. Don't lecture them. Don't don't talk down to them. Don't you mansplain them? Just <laughs> just explain. Say, hey, you know, I, I really don't like the amount of energy of this stuff, and it's fine if you want to use those bags, but for me, it's just not something I want to do. I I, I have these; they're lovely. Maybe they cost me a dollar or two dollars a piece, but I'm going to have them for years, and they're going to be wonderful. And I'm never going to have to use a plastic bag again, till I you know accidentally forget these at home in a month, and I'm never going to have to. But that's that's not the point. It's a beautiful thing to see people inspire others by their daily life just by doing. Yeah, I
0: mean just do better is a is a good way to put it. Like I I take lots of questions on edible landscape. I take lots of questions about a lot of different aspects. But I think we've told this far too many times, but Jameson poor Jameson, you know, if we're sitting in an aisle at a store and someone throws out a question like why am I bringing these bags by the way? I have been shopping for produce like you have told me before. I no longer use a bag. I just put them all in the cart. So all my produce is in a pile where usually a child would sit. And then they're going to put it in a bag, my bag. So it doesn't matter anyways. Very few exceptions. Very confused by that.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not the norm. People will always get confused by you not doing what everyone knows they're supposed to do. And now I say that not meaning that there's some secret cabal of grocery store rules that if you don't use the bag, you're going to come out and some dude's going to whack you. All I'm saying is that you see everyone do it. Your parents did it. You grocery shopped with them. Now you're grocery shopping for your kids. So you're doing it. And when you see someone that doesn't do it, they're weird because they're not doing what everyone else does. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with going against the grain. Sometimes to go, sometimes the best way to cut is to go against the grain. Do you, you get the conversation of, would you like your apples in a bag? So my favorite ones are apples, potatoes, and milk. Do you want your potatoes in a bag? If you're already in a bag. Right. Oh, <laughs> uh, Would you like them double bagged? No, no, I'm content with it. You're holding them. The bag hasn't ripped. I think I can make it to my car. Thank you. And now that, what I just said, sounded all cheeky and sarcastic. And I generally never talk to that. I will never talk like that to service employees. The last thing they need is my sarcastic my sarcastic comebacks. They have a hard enough job dealing with people as it is, and I empathize with them so badly. But in this hypothetical conversation, yeah, it's already in a bag. Milk, um, you usually would you like your milk in a bag? It weighs eight pounds. Absolutely not, because if that bag rips, that's gonna explode when it hits the ground. I'm good. And it's um, built with a handle. Yeah, it does. It does have a handle. You're right. And you know what you know what else fits in that handle? Your hand, you're right there. Boom. And apples, this apples, potatoes, what else come? Onions usually come in some kind of net or bag. Yep,
0: oranges. Yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, you don't you don't need them. It's already taken care of. There are exceptions. There are things that I do bag up. If you happen to go to a grocery store that actually sells fingerling potatoes or like cherry or grape tomatoes, that aren't really yes, I put them in a bag. Well, they're just everywhere. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, you're gonna put them in your giant cart with these itty little pieces of deliciousness, and you're gonna be leaving a candy trail from the produce section all the way to the checkout line.
0: It's it is funny when people look at you as you're piling peppers or whatever in there. But I did take your advice. It you're right. It saves bags. I I do all I do is at the end I put them in my nets. So the biggest thing is from this show that frustration that people get from the it's not my problem attitude it, there is zero words that will make it their problem trust me since the 80s possibly a little earlier they've been pushing this whole concept of leaving a better planet for your children it has been unanimous it was this long collective nah I would rather have stuff so there is no conversation that changes that attitude It drives me nuts sometimes. It angers me here and there. But it's best to just keep doing what we are doing. Every once in a while, another person starts doing it too. And Mm -hmm. if enough people do it, then that becomes the norm. And then the peer pressure for others who are making, at times, silly decisions or just that decision they've made their whole life and they're comfortable with, they might make that change too. There isn't well, th- a fight to be had.
1: I agree. And I think that the fight would be pointless. I think that if you gotta fight about something, and this there are exceptions to this, Michael, but if you've got a fight about something, chances are the amount of energy you spent trying to prove that your way is right could have been better spent just showing them five seconds of kindness. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean that's my two cents. There, like I said, you gotta pick and choose your battles, but I think that when it comes to the average person that says it's not my problem or has that mentality, even though it's not usually articulated like that. I think that it's it's just like out of sight, out of mind. They got a stressful life and the last thing they want to do is be, I guess, lectured or ah, or even wanna...
0: inconvenienced, you know, with, with the with the changes. It is it can be difficult. What we're trying to prove is that these changes can be easy. The little pieces that you can do to improve. Now, if someone has the mindset that they are purposely don't want to improve or purposely being against it, this is not a person to debate. This is not a person to discuss. You just keep doing what you do. We keep getting better. And you're right. It's those kindness things. How many times did people come? talking about Edible Landscape Project. Every time I see those Facebook memes about some place that put fruit trees out, all, all you see underneath it is, oh, oh, what a mess, or, oh, here come the homeless, or whatever. That's so my, son, my
1: favorite right? my favorite one. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny to me. It's uh, my mom. Just recently,
0: we we were cleaning the gardens and putting in the plants, and she posted our work. And the very first person says, I hope someone doesn't ruin it or try to steal everything. So remember, it's got to be kind of hard to be a person that everything you think of is negative.
1: Well, I mean, look at it from this perspective. Imagine having so little faith in humanity that your, your default response is a gesture of cynicism like or i mean just think about it like instead of say there's a million things you could have said oh somebody was ruined it like what okay to be fair what does that even mean do we want do we, we want to unpack that to, to make it worse did they even think about what they said or are they just so burnt out and broken on their life that they're unhappy with that they're just passing along negativity you can't talk to people like that and expect good results you should try to talk to them but no argue and fight with them
0: No, the best I the best I was able to do was smile and say, "You can't steal," because that was the other thing they're going to steal it all. Uh, You can't steal free, so if you're in town, feel free, take some, and that's where I leave it. You stay to the positive. You become, you know, you show that you're giving. Let them walk away going, "What a fool!" And then go plant some more. Go do something else nice. Go add another seed bank somewhere else. Just do kind things, and over time. That positive footprint that we put together is what will change it. The fight never will.
1: There is no harm in letting someone think that you're an idiot if it's the only time you're ever going to speak to them. Yep. Now. If you have a disagreement and they come out of it thinking that you're a moron and that, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. And I had a conversation just like this the other day. I'm not thinking the details, but a regular at work did chew on me a little bit and call, uh, ran his mouth. And I, I was really perturbed by it because I, I tried to do what I'm telling you we shouldn't do. Tried to explain to him in a, in a fairly aggressive way why there were changes that needed to be made in some stuff that he, he wasn't thrilled with what I had to say. And uh, it went really negatively and poorly. And I am living experience and excuse or uh, what's the word? Example. That's the E word I need. A living (laughs) example is why this isn't a good idea. And it took me an entire day of being frustrated to go, you know what? He lives his entire day like that. For him, that was just a blip in the radar. Just complain, complain, complain. Maybe someday he'll see things differently. But if he lives his rest of the time thinking I'm an idiot, as I still live my life in a way that allows me to go to bed at night and I'm comfortable with, then I'll be okay. Do I want to help people see things differently? Absolutely. Of course I do. Who wouldn't, who doesn't want to help other people, but I can't force it.
0: So I think, I think the, I'm going to, I'm going to close this here, but it is hard sometimes when you get, cause these are emotional things. People who are passionate about sustainability are passionate And it always hits hard. It's always, you know, frustrating. You can even get the adrenaline going. Don't, if you're upset, do something nice for someone else. First of all, they will appreciate it. Second of all, you will too. I really appreciate you guys sticking with Nick and I during this restructure and getting things back together so we can get these shows out. If you like this episode, share it with a friend or on social media. You can also support realistic sustainability by going on our website, greenyourlife.org forward slash podcast, or to the Anchor Host site and just type into the search Realistic Sustainability. That is where you could become a sustainer, someone who donates a dollar a month to help us be able to find that person to edit our shows and buy us some more time to be able to do these shows. If you can't, that's perfectly okay. Always function. The most sustainable way but you can leave a five-star review if you get an opportunity nick and i would greatly appreciate it plus we like reading the darn things so if you go onto itunes or any of your favorite podcast platforms leave a comment add a follow any of those things will help us we do really appreciate it and even in frustrating moments where people are upset and they just can't see eye to eye with what you are saying remember it's those actions That little bit, little bit, big bit. Those are cumulative. That builds your positive footprint. And it does get us where we need to be. And our kids watch us do it. So thank you so much for listening.
1: I'm Mike. And I'm exhausted. Oh, I'm Nick. (laughs) And we will see you next week.
0: Hi, this is Mike, co-host of Realistic Sustainability, the podcast, which you probably already know. But I'm also the author of A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life. That was the book that led to our Facebook page, our Facebook group, and, well, even this show. It offers tips on promoting your positive footprint while decreasing your carbon footprint. So, if you want to read what started all of this, get A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life. Available on Amazon, eBay, Etsy, or just visit greeningyourlife.org for more information. Thank you for joining the sustainable movement and promoting a greener future.